any history buffs in here, you know dates about things, you always like quizzing people on it. Anybody like that in here? Okay, one, two, okay. All right, here's some dates. July 4th, 1776. Anybody know what that is? Independence Day. What, in, what a date, right? America was born. America, right? What a best, like, listen, I love that holiday. Here's why. One, because we're free, amen? People died and fought for our freedom, so we have that. And two, we get to set things on fire, blow stuff up, get grounded until we're 18, stuff like that. Fourth of July is just so much fun. Am I right? We have a blast. Okay, that's it. Can we agree? That is, that's a time and a day and a place in history that forever changed everyone's life in here. Amen? Amen? Everyone has been impacted by that. No way, uh, no, no doubt about it, okay? The next day also impacted every single person's life in here. Someone say, what is it? Someone say, what is it? Okay, my students get no cheating, okay? Okay, all right. March 14th, 1912. My birthday. No, I'm 21. March 14th, 1912. Anybody? World War I. I don't know, really, to be honest with you, but no, that's not what I have here. So it was the most impactful time in all of our lives as Americans. That was the day Oreos hit the scene, okay? Right? So birthday cake specifically for me. I'm not big on sweets. But I'll eat the whole row in one sitting, get judged by my wife, everything like that. So Oreos. Anybody would like some Oreos today? Anybody? Come get your Oreo. Yeah, come on. What a blessing, right? Can we agree real quick that Oreos changed our life? In a, right? Oreos changed our life. Okay, don't be a hater if you don't like Oreo cookies. We'll pray for you, okay? Another day. Impact everyone's life in here. Someone say, what is it? Someone say, what is it? December 1992. Anybody know what that is? Anybody? Adults, this is very key in your life. Students, this is very key in your life. This is the day a caribou coffee came to place. This is coffee, okay? Any caribou coffee drinkers? Anybody would love to be blessed with a, with a gift card today, a caribou coffee gift card? Yeah, come over. She almost broke her arm. There we go. Woo, come down. You're the next winner on the prices, right? Can we, can we give it up? There we go, right? Can we agree that coffee changed our life, right? We, we go through coffee. Some of our kids wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for caffeine, for coffee, right? Amen, right? Um, okay, another day that impacted the world, that changed the world. Someone say, what is it? Someone say, what is it? October 20th, 2011. October 20th, 2011. Nobody? It's today, two things. One that my wife hit the lottery, two, that I became off the market, okay? It's the day I became married, okay? All right? It's a blessing. It's, it's the day, it was the best day of my life, I will tell you that, right? Um, what a blessing that was. A lot of, lot of great dates, there's a lot of good, I mean, the dates, but the birthdays of my, my kids, uh, my birthday is obviously important to your guys' uh, uh, lives and spiritual lives, but uh, one more date was tremendously significant uh, to me. Someone say, what is it? January 2008. January 20, uh, 28, 20, 2008, you know what I mean, is the day that I um, was brought into a church from a friend and gave my life to Jesus Christ. That was the biggest day of my life. That's the number one day, because if it wasn't for that day, I wouldn't be here today blessing you guys. 
Um, I wouldn't have met my wife through that, so it was a blessing, a blessing, a blessing. So last week, Pastor Shade an amazing mess, a message on Easter, right? He talked about the grave being defeated. It's awesome how God works because my, my message goes hand in hand with that, and I did not, um, we did not correlate that. It's just something um, that God put on my heart. So if you read in the book of Acts, Immediately what happened after uh, the, the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he spent 40 days with his disciples, teaching them some more, because sometimes you just got to teach people more and more. That's why kingdom leadership training is going to be amazing. Uh, so, so, um, shameless plug there. But you, they started, uh, uh, after Jesus ascended after the 40 days, um, the resurrection, we always talk about Easter and the resurrection, and it's great, it's powerful, it's reason that we experience freedom today. But what happened after that, and then what? Is what I like to say in youth. And then what? We get to this point in life, and then what? And Jesus shows up, uh, radically changes their life, and they just started going into cities and sharing the experiences that they had with a man named Jesus Christ. They started sharing their stories. And today, I would love to change some life-changing stories with you. Is that okay? You guys ready? Okay. So right here, we have Chelsea. Yep. So... Yeah, can we say hi, Chelsea? So Chelsea's amazing, okay? So Chelsea knew who God was. She had a, a, a foundation of belief in God in that sense, but they never went to church. Her family never went to church. They never uh, made her go pursue church as a family. They didn't do anything like that. In high school, she experienced a lot of bullying based on her appearance. In her junior year, she started dating a guy who was physically and emotionally abusive for three years. And at one point, he ended up... Um, physically abusing her so much that she blacked out. All those bad experiences led to her to turn towards alcohol and people for validation in herself. Chelsea found herself in doubt. That led her uh, uh, to become reckless um, at times in her life, and at one point very reckless where she blacked out driving um, um, because she was drunk and she nearly killed herself. And added um, that later on that year, she found out she was pregnant with her son James at 20 years old. She would get into her own um, and other bad toxic relationships where she was an, um, obviously, again, emotionally and physically abused again and again. Somehow, she found her way back to the first guy that physically abused her, and she was dealing with a lot of family issues, and that's the only person she knew to run to. And one day, she, she went to his apartment, and he edit, ended up taking, um, physically abusing her and then taking advantage of her um, by force. At this point, she reached her lowest point. She officially hit rock bottom. And she turned to more drinking. This year, we have Deneen. Deneen grew up in a Christian home and accepted Jesus as her savior when she was in preschool. While she was growing up, she was sexually and physically and mentally abused by her, um, by her dad from kindergarten all the way until she reached an adult. It caused a lot of feelings of depression and suicidal thoughts. In high school, she would sneak out of the house in the middle of the night and hang out with boys who were older than her and do things that she shouldn't be doing which then led to drama and people calling her all types of names in the book. Then they threw coins at her in classes and in the hallways, and they would spread rumors about Deneen. See, Deneen was in shame. In her junior year, she felt the, um, the, uh, the peer pressure from her friends, and she decided to date the luckiest guy on the earth in Melville. Melville didn't know who God was at the time, and he was into a lot of worldly things, but she turned a blind eye to it because he treated her better than her father did and better than the other men in her life. She wanted to move away from the hurt at her house that was caused by her dad, so she moved um, in with Mel. Next thing you know, two months after they graduated high school, they were married. 
Working only a part-time job at a time, they lived off $300 a week, driving about an hour both ways to work, living off of ramen noodles. Every person in here knows about living off of some ramen noodles at one point in your life. Deneen decided to join the Air Force. She decided to ship off to camp in about in seven weeks, and she was in there, and she, she finally hit a point in her life where she's like, man, stuff is going to start looking good. But then she was medically discharged after seven weeks for injuring her feet. So she ended up going back home to the same job she had while she was in high school. Depression started to really set in into Dean. She started slipping more and more into alcoholism and drugs, which made her more depressed and suicidal for months. And, later, um, and a few months later, she found out she was pregnant with her daughter, Cadence. To make things more interesting, Mel ended up in jail and Deneen was now trying to figure out life. A few months after their daughter, Cadence, was born, they were kicked out of their apartment and they were forced to move in with, with, uh, with his sister, her fiance, and their four kids. This motivated Deneen to go back to school and seven months later, she graduated with her massage therapy program while finding out their second baby is on the way by, um, by the name of, of Rylan. Her husband was caught up in his addictions and she was battling severe depression and alcoholism and Deneen's family had completely disowned her because at one point in her life she decided to speak up about what was going on uh, from the abuse from her dad. A few months after having Rylan, Deneen found herself um, saying, I had permanently destroyed my marriage, my family, and she wanted to end her life. She was so sick of all the pain that she had gone through while growing up and the feelings uh, of being the worst mom ever, all the drugs and the pills and drinking, nothing could ever numb the pain that she was feeling. And was she, she was ready at this point to end her life. She found herself in the bathroom and she reached into the medicine cabinet and she grabbed a handful of sleeping medication and she cut her wrists, ribs, and ankles. If it wasn't for her daughter, Cadence, that had to use the bathroom and push open her way inside the bathroom, Denise wouldn't be here sitting here today. The next four months, they lived in two different towns, and Deneen remembers calling her mom because the transmission took a dump. All her mom said was, pray, honey, just pray about it. Deneen responds with, it's not time to pray. Praying doesn't work like that. It doesn't work for me. And then her mom hung up on her. This was where Deneen hit rock bottom. She felt in her spirit all the pain, shame, guilt has led her to this moment in life, and she had nowhere else to go. This chair, we have Ryan. Ryan grew up uh, in a home where his, his dad was physically abusive to his mother. And at one point, he remembers his dad physically harming his mom when she was pregnant uh, with, with a baby. She was about eight months old. Fast forward a couple years after that, and his mom finally left, uh, got the courage to leave his dad. And then she became in another relationship that was also toxic. And that's why this time it was with alcohol. She began to drink so much that then she would become abusive. She would break things in the house, he said. She would tear up the house, and then she would end up fighting his stepdad, and she would yell at the kids, and, and uh, he, he started realizing, man, something's really wrong. He remembers uh, nights and mornings where he would hear his mom screaming, and he would run into the kitchen to her self-harming herself in front of him. He would run, uh, he grew up in that type of environment for a lot of years until he reached high school. He then, in high school, got around a whole bunch of friends, and found himself being in crowd. He ran away from the pain that was at home that, it, that he experienced throughout his whole childhood and the, and the suffering that his mom did. And he started running into the approval of, of all of his friends. He got into gangs. He got into drugs. He got into uh, a lot of other pain to hide the pain that he was dealing with at home. He told me he remembers driving home from work one, one day and he had a kid at 18 and he was living with a girlfriend that was pregnant, but not by him. 
And he remembers driving home one day and he said he felt so stressed out and felt so, so ashamed and felt the burden of everything that for a split moment, he decided to end his life. He ends up calling his mom and crying and says, look, I, what am I doing here? What's going on? And she told him to drop everything and move, move to Florida. See, this chair right here is the insignificant chair. We could label it um, Pastor Jake. You may be sitting here like, oh, I can't really relate to none of these chairs here. My life wasn't all that hard. I had great parents in my life, and I don't have any big come-to-Jesus moments. Matter of fact, all I've known is Jesus growing up. You're sitting here ashamed that you don't have uh, of all you had in life because you've had a great one. You're scared to share your story because you may offend someone. Or maybe your story is so unique to only you that you think you're the only one going through that. <clears throat> you're ashamed. You're filled with guilt. And you, you, you think that no one's going to relate to that because it's not exactly the way you think someone else's guilt and shame may be. Maybe you're battling with perfection your whole life. You know, that race that never ends, chasing perfection. Some of you are sitting here longing to hear the words, I am proud of you, looking for the approval of your parents your whole life. Approval of maybe mentors or coaches or your friends. You sit out here and you think every single Wednesday that, I mean, every single Sunday and maybe even a Wednesday for our youth students, no one notices me. I can miss a Sunday here and there. No one's, no one's gonna notice me, no one cares. Maybe you sit here with no purpose in your life. You ran away from Jesus. Maybe, maybe you raised your kids in the faith your whole life. Maybe you've given them the best life they can be and then they still decided to run away. Maybe what you feel is insignificant. What's beautiful is that our story doesn't end there or it doesn't have to end there. You know, what Jesus did last week 2,000 years ago was for us to experience freedom today. Amen. You know, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19 says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Someone say a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. I'm going to say that again. God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against him. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Amen? We could play some keys. You see, Chelsea's story is real and it's so unique because it's really Chelsea's story. We don't need to fabricate anything on this stage today because this is real life. People go through real struggles in their life. May look different. There's a thousand shades of black, but it's still black. Pain is real. Thank God that her story didn't have to end after that last incident. You know, after that incident, she said, I can't keep living like this. This is what I love about, about Chelsea's story is, is it's, there's no what, what, what some people would label, not a big come to Jesus moment. A burning bush didn't speak to her. She didn't hear the audible voice of God. She got up and just said, things need to change. This is enough. Enough is enough. And she said, I have a son now. 
So she, she stopped partying, she stopped going out. She got rid of all the abusive relationships um, and started focusing on herself and James. And during her journey to try to fix her own life, she, she met the most amazing, most beautiful man that I know. Okay, <laughs> so beautiful. She gets jealous of our relationship, but. She met Quentin. And Quinn at this point is an angel, perfect in his being, okay? No, Quinn, Quinn at this point started getting his life right with Jesus, was on fire for God. Chelsea slid in his DMs. Okay, that, yeah, see, it's all true. And Quinn said, hey, hey, come here, come here, yeah, yeah. And she found, she found love in Quinn. Grace in Quinn, compassion in Quinn, because Jesus knew of a man who has grace, love, and compassion. So Chelsea, through that journey with trying to fix herself and then partnered with Quinn, and, and then Quinn coming to church and them, Chelsea went from being no longer in doubt to being in Christ. We celebrate that? To being in Christ. Chelsea's in a spot where she's healthier now. This is what's so amazing about Chelsea's struggles. That doesn't mean that she, her story, that doesn't mean that she doesn't struggle anymore. That just means that she fights her battles differently now. She said, um, I am building a healthier connection with, in, in relationship with God. I know God sees me as beautiful, valued and deeply loved, that he never stopped loving me and that his love is unconditional. Chelsea has two beautiful and amazing kids, James and Olivia, and then Quinn, he's like a kid too. There are some of my rock star leaders and she chooses not to keep quiet. Is it hard for Chelsea to stand up here and be vulnerable with a whole bunch of people? Absolutely. But the fact that she's willing to do this so you can experience hope and change is powerful. You see, Deneen's story is real because it's Deneen's story. Her mom, uh, after she hangs up, starts working behind the scenes and praying, and Deneen realizes, geez, I hit rock bottom. Me and her laughed in my office uh, this past week because the transmission in the car was the rock bottom, nothing prior to that. And I found that was weird, but isn't that unique, you know? And she said, you know, at this moment, I guess the only thing I can do is just give it all to you. So she's sobbing with the phone in her hand, like, what do I do? God, well, it's all yours then. I don't know what else to do. This is all yours. Shortly after that, about an hour later, her grandma calls her and goes, hey, we got a car um, that a friend of mine's gonna give to you. And from that point on, she, her grandma said, um, she started remembering exactly what her grandma taught her and that there is a Jehovah Jireh that's our provider out there. So within 24 hours of realizing God is in control and surrendering everything over to him, she got a call about the car and then that they wanted to bless her and she started looking up after that. It's been about just two years now since her and Mel have been sober and they're off all depressants and they're working with great jobs and, and then she started coming back to church regularly and they've been like at this, this new walk, this new battle, this new way of fighting for things. And Deneen can sit here today and sit in this chair and be no longer in shame, but she can be in Christ. She helps me on Wednesdays as well. She's a rock star leader for me as well. While she's attending school still, 
working towards getting credentialed and licensed because Deneen wants to be a youth pastor. And just like my wife, she, poured, she pulled a short straw and she has to work with me. I'm sorry about that, okay? Deneen shared her story last week with the youth and she shared Ephesians 2.8. For it's by grace that you have been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves, it's a gift of God. You're sitting here today, maybe in doubt, maybe in shame and in guilt, maybe at a road where you feel like there's nowhere else to go. I'm here, it's rock bottom, I can feel it. That's because it's not by you, it's by God. Freedom's here today. Janine said, I come from abuse, drugs and alcohol and worldly things, but God still sought me out. Jesus loves me so much. A man that I never knew saved me from the pain that I was going through. I'm here for all of you so you feel never alone. Life is hard, but I promise you that God will bless you if you walk with him. Life gets better. You see, if you know Ryan, you know that this isn't his story. He has his own jacked up story. Uh, This is mine. Can we turn music down just a little bit? You know, after that moment and that call with my mom, I yelled out to God. I, I didn't have a relationship with God, but I knew God. And I said, you know, if this thing is real, if you're real, like you need to make some change happen. I, I, I'm done with this. And my buddy started calling me and asking me to come to come to church. Any of you here because somebody won't stop asking you to come to church. And that's how I was. And I was like, finally, dude, I'll go if you just shut up. And I went that day. And that pastor was preaching a message I promise you was only for me. Somehow, someway, he Googled me, he got all my information, or my mom called him, something happened, and this dude was speaking directly to my life. And I remember sobbing and crying like like a high school girl who just got her heart broken. And and I'm like, that's true. Okay, well, I'm just saying I was, I know what that feels like. And and I'm bawling my eyes out, like how can someone love me for like so much for everything that I have done? And I remember uh, giving my life to Jesus that day and realizing that I don't have to run from what's going on in my life. I don't have to be in crowd anymore. I can be in Christ. You know, and then we, we I take those steps and I go, well, what now? Because you may come to church on Sunday, but what you do on Saturday is two different things. And I know that because I met my wife in a bar a year after I'd given my life to Jesus because I didn't have people around me to fill me with anything other than what I already knew. And then later on, uh, my wife brings me into church and we start following Jesus and we help out with the youth. And I'm on this stage now because... At a winter camp, I gave my life to Jesus years prior to that, and I was going to school to be a cop because I wanted to make a difference, and God had other plans for my life. And I went from being in crowd to being a pastor, and what an amazing story that is. 
not because of anything that I've done, but because of the surrendering that I did. You know, this chair seems real to some of you right now because it is, it's you. A lot of people I have met have wonderful families. No real struggles as they would call it. Just because your guilt doesn't look like mine doesn't mean that you don't have guilt. Just because your shame doesn't feel like mine or look like mine doesn't mean you have it. You just have it in a different way. Hey, consider it a joy that God kept you from a lot of hardship. It's not a bad thing. There's a powerful story in each one of you. When I look at all of your faces on Sundays and Wednesdays, what it gives me is joy because there's something in you that I wish you would pull out. And that's your story. Everyone has different beginnings and different chapters in their own book of life. But there's one thing that I know for certain is that we all have the same chapter when you give your life to Jesus. That chapter is the same. The same Jesus that saved all three of us and all four of us and pastor and the rest of the band and, and your other brothers and sisters, the same Jesus that lives in me can live in you. And you can go from living insignificant to living in Christ if you will allow God to do that in you. You know, Jesus is a man who brings vision to the blind. Can we uh, dim the lights? Can we, let's do, let's, I'm really passionate about what I do because I know where I came from. And too often are we fighting, fighting ourselves to get our life better, but we always miss something. So if we can bow our head, close our eyes, this is gonna be an opportunity for you to go from living in whatever you're living in, in pain, in doubt, in shame, in guilt, in denial, in pride, whatever that is. You know, let's play some, yeah. Jesus, a man who, who brings vision to the blind, who brings forgiveness to the guilty, who delivers the sick, who heals the paralyzed, who brought me from shame and guilt to freedom, a defeated death, and brought the meaning and purpose to the insignificant. Because he loves you so much. So today, young or old, Worst story or some of the good stories? The best life you've been giving, no hardship, or some of the worst stuff you've ever experienced in your life? This is for you. If you want to take that next step from being in all this uh, uh, shame, guilt, pain, whatever that is, you, you put your word after in and experience freedom today, you have that free choice to do so today. It costs you nothing but your pride. So on the count of three, if you want to go from that to being in Christ, all you have to do is raise your hand. One, two, three. Keep them up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, four, five. Thank you. Thank you. You put your hands back down. That's it. For all of us on stage, it took that one moment where we said enough is enough. I can't do this anymore, God. I've tried. I'm X amount of years old. I've tried to do this myself and I can't. So with all of our beautiful voices in here, all I need you to do is repeat after me. Father God, I can't do it my own, on my own. I've tried. I'm asking you to come into my life as I begin to take these, this, this next journey with you.
Heal me of my pain. Heal me of my insecurities. May I be a light that's radiant for you. In Jesus' mighty name, forgive me of my sins. May I walk with you to the end of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we celebrate that? You know why? Because today, April 11th, 2021 is the best day of your life. Forever changed because of what somebody did you never met 2,000 years ago. Now what? I love the What Now booklets. Now what? Well, now is you just danced out of that grave and now you go share the best news you've ever experienced in your life. And some of you have yet to share that news and you've known Jesus for years. You ever meet somebody and have really, 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 really great news and then never tell them? No. Only one weird person does that and that's Pastor Jake. No one else does that. When you experience really, really good news, you can't stop talking about it. That's why you get haters, because everybody's jealous of you. Sheesh. That's what happens. So you have the best news. You're standing and walking best news, newspapers that money can buy. Because you were that, and you're not that anymore. So share it with people. Some of you have never shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with anybody because you don't know how. You know how? You just tell them your story. That's it. And bring freedom to someone like that. Revelations 12, 11 says this. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their what? And the word of their what? Don't yell at me. Testimony. They triumphed over him because of that because of what Jesus did in their testimony. I don't care what kind of life you've lived, you have a story. The best life or the worst life, you have a story. I tell my story a lot to people and they look at me and go, Lupe, you've never been a gang member. Like you've never sold drugs. I've literally had students tell me that, like that's not you. Good, because if I still look like a gang member and did drugs, that would be bad, okay? I don't think I'd be a youth pastor. So I look changed because Jesus did that in me. Amen?